Before we go into this episode, I need to read a little disclaimer. I need to read it in English because the conversation of this episode is in English and in German because I'm living in Germany, so I operate under German law here. Disclaimer. This podcast episode is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Neither Michael Stroeff nor Christian Gleitze are financial advisors. There are risks involved in placing any investment in securities or in Bitcoin or in cryptocurrencies or in anything. None of the information presented herein is intended to form the basis of any offer or recommendation or have any regard to the investment objectives, financial situation or needs of any specific person. And that includes you as listener or reader. Everything in this episode is for informational entertainment purposes only. Hinweis. Diese Podcast-Episode dient ausschließlich zur Information und zur Unterhaltung. Weder Michael Stroff noch Christian Gleitze sind Finanz- oder Investmentberater. In Wertpapiere, Bitcoin, Kryptowährung oder in irgendetwas zu investieren, birgt Risiken. Keine der Informationen in dieser Podcast-Episode sind beabsichtigt, irgendeine Form von Angebot oder Empfehlung zu Investmentzielen, finanziellen Situationen oder Bedürfnissen einer spezifischen Person darzustellen, inklusive dir als Zuhörer oder Leser. Vielen Dank und jetzt viel Spaß mit der Episode. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Connecting Dots Podcast with Michael Stroeff. I hope I'm getting your name right. Welcome, Michael. Thank you. Thank you, Christian. For this episode, my guest is Michael. As I said, he's COO, Chief Operating Officer of, in German, we would say Nebeos. In English, maybe we would say Nebus. And Nebeos is a London-based startup that bridges crypto and cash with instant loans and financial services for everyday use. We will get into what exactly that means. Michael is active in the startup world since 2016, at first as founder of two startups and now as COO and head of product at Nebios or Nebos. So at first I would like to get to know Michael um, as a person, a bit his founder story, and then we will go more into the crypto nerd talk. Um, for which we both have to be patient because we, our audience is not a crypto audience, but a crypto layperson audience. So um, we need to make sure that everybody, or at least most of them, can follow us along. So why don't we start with the following? You lived and worked in, in Moscow, Paris, Turin, Italy, New York and Barcelona, right? That's correct. But I didn't live in Turin. I was working kind of like... A I was spending time there and traveling there from Paris and uh, going back to Paris. Uh, I didn't I didn't live there, but I spent quite a while there. Okay, but it's on your on your on your international CV. So you're yes. I think you're so far the most international person, the most international guest of the podcast. Nice. So how did how did living in so many different countries shape you personally? Um, listen, I think I think traveling is 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 very big and very important for any single person. Um, I think it like I'm multicultural from birth. I'm half Russian, half French. So just like from birth, um, I started like uh, being multicultural and, and getting immersed in, in two cultures. Uh, then I actually grew up in the U.S. when I was a kid. Then I moved back to Europe, um, and then I traveled around for work and and everything else. Um, I think yeah. So again, I, I am born multicultural. I became multicultural. Uh, that made me more open to things like when you travel you meet new people you discover new cultures etc you become more aware right and i think one big um influence of that is creativity 
it really boosts your creativity, your ideation processes, right? Just because you're kind of like, let's say, you know what's happening in different countries at the same time, you know the cultures, you understand, and you can kind of like be on the brink of things at the same time, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that's how it affected me. And I, 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 like, mm. uh, I, I would recommend it to anyone. It's very funny that you add this as a recommendation because um, in the past uh, past few months I had several guests on who also worked and lived uh, in, in various countries and they all added young people should go out and and see the world live abroad it changes you fundamentally fundamentally I think I think I think Richard Branson uh, I read a quote of his once and says like if you want to like uh, if you want to start creating business ideas or something the first thing that you need to do is get out the door <laughs> and start traveling um, because it's not like it's not by sitting at home that you're gonna let's say stumble upon a fantastic uh, new concept or idea it's it's only by let's say opening yourself to new experiences and ideas and thoughts cultures people um, that you're gonna really um, yeah create something Maybe the metaphor of, I mean, he means it uh, in, a, in a literal literal sense to go out the door, but maybe it's also a metaphor here for um, stepping out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And um, and being in a country where you where you don't speak the language or just very badly makes mm -hmm. you vulnerable in a in a positive way. You know, mm -hmm. you, f you feel you feel like um, you're not that socially established and accepted. You know. Uh, I'm kind of in that situation now. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, because I'm 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 based in Barcelona, and uh, like I speak I, I well I speak a tiny bit of Spanish. I understand Spanish, but like it's it's nowhere near my English or any other language that I speak. So so for me, it's kind of um, I'm very often in situations where I I need help. Like someone like mm. I need to read a website, I can't read it. I need to use Google Translate website. Someone sends me an agreement, I I can't read it. So I need to kind of like go through all these like complicated steps uh, to to understand, right? To be understood. Uh, and people do speak English here, but it's um there's still this like small slight barrier that that's always like here, and you always notice it. Yeah, I, I lived in Spain myself, and where I lived in, in Murcia, in the southeast, mm -hmm. um, they speak, even less people there speak English. So mm -hmm. there I really had to learn it. And I'm, I'm sure in, uh, in Barcelona, some people um, don't want to speak Spanish because they identify as uh, Catalan. So they speak Catalan, right? Mm, yeah, but no, everyone speaks Spanish. Uh, I, I haven't... I haven't really, well, un unless I, I don't understand Spanish to understand, to not oh, understand okay. that they're speaking Spanish, which, which is a possibility, but I haven't found the person that, um, like, that I identified to be a Catalan and only speaks Catalan. Um, although, yeah, I'm sure that does exist, but maybe not in Barcelona, maybe, maybe in Catalonia as, as, as a whole, yeah. in other, let's say, uh, like, smaller cities, towns, no. villages, probably. I see, yeah. And I saw on your CV that you um, spent uh, quite a bit of time at uh, in the corporate world, at big corporations, mm -hmm. right? So how did you, how or why did you go from the corporate world to the startup scene in 2016? Um, corporate world is very, let's say, fixed, right? It's developed. It's, it's, it's a different type of world. Um, The startup world is more interesting and it's more creative. Uh, you, you're really, truly building something new, right? Um, I like building 
I like creating, I build products, I build, I build startups, I build concepts. And that's what I want to do. That's why I switched. Uh, corporate world is, 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 is cool. And I mean, it's, it's a great experience. Like um, when I first started working, it was in a corporate company, right? And in the, in the corporate world. And I mean, most of my business experience just comes from there, right? Mm. Uh, my business attitudes, the way I communicate with people, uh, even the way I send emails, right? Which is like, you know, it's, it's something super small, but but it's it's true, you know, it, it really influences the way that you speak and uh, think about business. Um, so obviously I took that knowledge, I took it with me to the startup world uh, and the startup world is just, just cooler. <laughs> it's more yeah. interesting. I, I guess so, yeah. And your first two startups, what were they about? What, what, did, what did you do there? What was the product? Ooh, the first, the first one, it wasn't really a startup. It was, it, it, it was a startup business. It was like a photography agency. And that was, that was a complete um, mess <laughs> of a project. Like I went in with like an, an idea that, okay, uh, I want to leave the corporate world. I want to go into the startup world, startup world, small business world, whatever it may be. I want to build something of my own. Um, I liked photography. Um, I knew I had goals, so I, tr I tried to combine both, but with no clear path. It was kind of like, okay, I want to do this and let's see how it goes. Then I, you know, I, at first it was like, oh, I'm going to build an online gallery. Then that online gallery shifted to a physical gallery. Then the physical gallery shifted to a photography agency that I ran for two years, actually. Um, so, it, I mean, it was, it was a mess because I started out, out with, um, with no clear goals, targets. I just had like, you know ideas and i wanted to do it and i was like that's it i'm i'm all in um which i definitely do not recommend people uh people to do <laughs> but yeah that that was that was my first uh, my, my first 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 let's say startup startup ish experience so so the big lesson was um you should have a cl clear plan a clear like business plan mm, yeah <laughs> you need to know what you're doing who you're targeting what you're going for um, I mean, no, I, like, don't get me wrong. All startups are all hypotheses, right? So it's kind of like the best plan is no plan in some case, but you really need to know what you're doing and, and at least like who you're targeting, um, the timelines, the budgets, like everything. Um, if you're kind of like going in with absolutely no plan, um, it's possible and people have done it and, and, and been successful. I mean, look, I, I, I ran Alter U for, uh, for two years and it was, it was pretty successful. It, 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 it helped me like maintain this, the quality of life that I had at the time. But um, at the end of the day, it wasn't, it wasn't going to like, I left it because I wasn't going to raise like millions of dollars uh, with, with Alterview, with that agency. It was kind of like, everything was based on me. It was very like a classical agency approach. So if I stop working, the whole agency stops. Uh, it's not something that was scalable. I couldn't raise funds with, with venture capital for, for like firms or anything like that. It was it was um, it wasn't really a startup per se. So okay, so, yeah. so let's do um, one lesson per startup uh, or, or one lesson per business. If this was the lesson at your first um, startup or let's say mm -hmm. venture adventure, mm -hmm. what was um, one of the bigger lessons of your second startup? Oh. And what did you what did you do at the second one? Interesting. Um, listen, the 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 second one I I made was uh, Deskmates. It was a social network for co-working spaces. That that was a true startup. Um, and I mean, I can't I can't like identify let's say lessons learned per startup. I can identify lessons learned generally, right? And I think um, 
the most important thing I can say uh, is, is uh, the team is the most important thing. Idea, uh, yeah, you can get an idea. Uh, it can be amazing. It can, it can be cool. Uh, thousands of people have amazing ideas. These ideas never turn into anything um, because the most important, in my understanding, and from my perspective, is the team. If you have the team, if you have the trust, if you if you if you're really working towards a goal together, um, magic will happen. But even if you have a team and you don't have an idea, right? But you're let's say two or three people that are highly like specialized in in, in, in a specific area, you can create an idea, and it will be successful. It, it could be successful. <laughs> so I mean, I, for me, it's like. Um, Team is super important. It's so funny how often you hear that the idea is not worth that much. Just like, like just tomorrow or just now, I was editing an episode with a, mm -hmm. um, with a local founder mm -hmm. from home fully from a uh, of a co-living startup, mm. and he said. Um, Because I said, well, idea is maybe 10% of the success and 90% is execution. And he said, 10%? No, it's less than 1%, he said. Mm -hmm. um, and you hear mm -hmm. that a lot. Ideas are not that worth that much if, if the execution is shit. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, how much in percentage would you say is uh, the idea um, worth? I wouldn't say one percent. No, that's because <laughs> I mean you still you still need you still need an idea. You still need like a solid, let's say, proven like a, again model, right? Something that you're gonna like go for and earn money with. Um, obviously, that can be developed with time. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's say forty, sixty, maybe something like ah, that. Ah, that much? Okay, okay, maybe. Good. Yeah, I don't know. Thirty, thirty, seventy. Perhaps I would say, yeah. Um, it it really depends on what you're doing. I mean, you know, um, and it, it really depends on the people who who are around you and who the team is around. If if I mean, it, it, look, let's put it this way: if you're, um, if if me myself and my co-founder are all, let's say, X VC, uh, sorry, no, X startup, let's say, founders with like, and we we we've like exited multi-million uh, dollar projects. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's worth much more. If we're junior startup founders and it's it's our first project then the idea is gonna be a lot more heavy uh, right than 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 you um because ultimately any startup when investors invest they invest not only in the idea then they invest in you and the person that's founding that startup um so if you have a, an incredible background right that's more heavy than the idea that's it if you have not a lot of background then the idea is more important. So it's always, uh, there's no uh, clear uh, cut. Yeah, yeah. Some investors sometimes put it as uh, they don't invest on the horse, but on the jockey, uh, in mm -hmm. the jockey, you know? Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And, That's what happens. And then um, just to bring the your, your, your startup journey to where you are now, you're now mm -hmm. at a crypto startup. So how did this come about? Um, so 20, 2020 was a roller coaster uh, for me, and I think both for everyone. Um, Welcome had, to the club. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I had my startup that, that was called um, Deskmates. Uh, well, the one that I told you about was the, the what's called social network for co-working spaces. Um, I moved to New York uh, to fundraise on the first of March, 2020. Oh, no. <laughs> 
that goddamn March. Yeah. <laughs> On the first of March, 2020, I, I landed in New York. I was like, Big Apple, that's it. I'm in, I'm in the place to be. This is going to be crazy and, and everything. And then one week later, um, it's just like the whole, the whole yeah. world shuts down. <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we lose our target market within one week, two weeks. Uh, that's it, co-working spaces. So we're gone. Uh, so we were kind of sitting there like, what, what, do, what do we do? Um, and actually, in, in, in eight days, we built another startup called Vidi. Uh, which is similar to Clubhouse right now, actually. Oh, <laughs> uh, really? Probably knows. Well, not not Clubhouse per se, but it was a social network for video conferencing. Exactly, kind of like what we're doing now, All right? So it was it was supposed to be Clubhouse, but with video, with Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. Where people could monetize their events, uh, create a whole platform, like again to socialize, to mm -hmm. like yeah, to talk, uh, like in, in, in like during the pandemic. We created that. We, we we created the platform. We created the social network. We we released the app, and let's say all like from March, from mid March uh, up until uh, like the end of summer, uh, I was working on that project. Uh, um, unsuccessfully, <laughs> we didn't uh, we didn't find the product market fit. We we realized that the project was going nowhere. That people just um, um, it, it, it was like everything was so chaotic. People were still using LinkedIn to share events. Uh, people were using Facebook to share events. So, I mean, we were going after like people who were creators and trying to get them to join our platform. But it's always the chicken and an egg scenario with any startup, uh, with any sorry, social network. Um, like if, if, if you have a crowd of people, uh, other people will join. If you don't have that crowd, people don't want to join. But who comes first, right? You need like the people for people to join. Like you need people. It's, it's like chicken and egg um, mm -hmm. so so yeah we unfortunately weren't successful and i got involved into crypto because i, I was just called by uh, fellow investors who knew all of my my 2020 journey and they, they told me hey there's this uh startup that that's looking for uh, someone that's going to be developing their products uh, do, do you want to join um crypto was something that i never even considered joining to be honest uh, crypto was like all 2016, 2017, I avoided crypto. I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting into this. Like during the first crypto hype, um, I, I, like people would always come to come and ask me like, hey, hey, have you invested in Bitcoin or did you buy anything? Like, nope. It was <laughs> 17, not... 18, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, I was but, like, but, nope. but, but what exactly were your, um, your concerns or your like, what was your thinking? It, there was too much hype. Everyone, like, mm. let's let's let, let's say I, I like to think different, right? Um, I, I like to find things that are, that are, that are unique and different. And when when everyone, when the whole world is like talking Bitcoin, 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 I'm, I was kind of like, well, you know what? Like, if everyone's talking about this now, I'm gonna wait a few years, and and I might get into it in a few years, mm. which is exactly what I, what I did. Yeah, um, what I ended up doing. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of my, my, my thinking. Like I didn't want to be involved in, in this mainstream, let's say vibe and, and wave of people like, let's say talking about Bitcoin mining and let's say most of the people that actually didn't even understand crypto or Bitcoin or blockchain at the, at, at the time, they were just talking about it to be cool. All right. Uh, but for me, it was kind of like, no, nah, I'm, 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 I'm avoiding this, but, um, Hey, 2020, um, I'm in crypto. <laughs> and, um, so the, the the investors suggested it, and then you met uh, the founders of uh, Nibus. Or can you say the names? Do I say it correctly? 
uh, it's Nibius. Well, listen, you, you, you say it right. It, it's Nebius. It's, it's Nebius or Nebius. I say Nebius because I, I am more American English than English English. So my pronunciation is Nebius. But uh, in Spain, it's Nebius. Uh, in French, okay. it's Nebius. It's, in French, it's Nebius. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. No good. Really and um, then you met the founders of uh, Nebius. And uh, how did you know that it's uh, a good fit, that it's the right thing for you now? I didn't. <laughs> you didn't. But I mean, there leap must be. Of, I mean, faith. And there must be faith. something about the about the founders, about your interaction, where you felt, oh, okay, this is right. We get along. Um, listen, uh, don't forget that this, this was all during the pandemic. Um, I was. I'm in Barcelona now. Uh, the startup is based between London and Barcelona. When I was uh, involved in the, my first conversations, I was in the U.S. and I was actually in Portland in the in, in the U.S., which is like on the Pacific uh, uh, Northwest. So, like, it's like I, I didn't meet face to face. I had a few, you know, Zoom calls, uh, okay. but but that that's pretty much it. So, like, for me, it was more let's say trust in the people that uh, recommended me to go there, right? And it was a leap of faith as, as well. Uh, it was a leap of faith, and I looked at the project. I thought that it was um, it was something that it was interesting. Right? Um, I liked the idea. Um, that's it. But it's um, you never know with these things. You know, it's like mm. uh, you can, you can have your project and find a co-founder, and it's always going to be a leap of faith, even if you have the best uh, relationship you have, even if you're close friends. You, it's it's always a leap of faith. You never know what's going to happen uh, three months down the road, six months down the road, a year. You know, it's uh, so much mm. can change. But that adds much. Uh, that, that adds a lot to the uh, the excitement of this uh, founder journey, right? Of the startup journey, you got to yeah. have a lot of trust, uh, work hard on it, and mm -hmm. make it work. And when did you notice? Um, when were you convinced? Ah, it's the right, um, the right thing to do now. Um, three weeks into joining the startup. Yeah, when I like two weeks into joining the startup, actually, yeah, when I came here, I was like, uh, the relationship I built with uh, the team um, is very strong. Um, everything that we were doing was was super powerful and, and, and interesting, with a huge perspective. Um, and right there and then, I knew that okay, this this is this is something that's uh, that's great. And um, I like building great things. Um, I like building really like kick-ass projects. Um, something that really like you know. Um, how do you say revolutionizes potentially, you know, disrupts. <laughs> That's the word I was looking for. So, so yeah. And why, why Barcelona, Spain, and not uh, France or, or Russia? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm saying this because your part. Uh, we didn't say this when we were actually recording. Your part French, part uh, mm -hmm. Russian. No, I, 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 I said it. I said it at the start. I said that I'm half, half French, half Russian. Um, why? Uh, why? Because, well, listen, the startup is based here. And uh, ah, okay. that, 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 that's, that's one. Uh, two, honestly, Barcelona is uh, it's one of the best cities I've lived in. Um, yeah. really, uh, really, it's one of the best cities I've lived in. Um, I've lived in a lot of places, as you, as, as you know. Um, and uh, Barcelona is really, like, fantastic. Um, I've been here for a little bit more than six months. And it's just... I don't know. It's mind blowing. Um, my birth, for example, my birthday is in December. Um, usually, my birthday is always uh, cold, wet, snowy, and you know I can't do anything except for like have a have a party uh, indoors. Um, this year, I had a birthday party on the beach. 
you know, playing, playing volleyball. Um, I was like, wow, okay, this is a first. Um, so yeah, it's a combination of, of things. And uh, honestly, like um, the fact that we're based in Barcelona is, 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 is super cool. And I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be here. It's also a startup hub, actually, for those in yeah, uh, for people who are curious, uh, Barcelona is actually a pretty, pretty big startup hub and it's developing every single year. Um, I think in 2019, the total investment in Barcelona startups was about 800 and like 70 million uh, euros uh, in the year in, in, in startup investments, mm-hmm. venture capital investment. Um, that number probably bumped up and actually, no, it probably didn't bump, on, bump, up, bump up in 2020. Um, in 2021, we'll see. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it was going like that. It was going. People from Germany were moving here. Companies from Germany were moving here because they they wanted the good uh, the good uh, weather and the good vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On what day? My birthday is in December as well. On what day is your um, birthday in December? Eighth. On the eighth. Yeah, I was um, in my um, Erasmus semester in uh, Murcia, Spain, uh, on my birthday, in the, mm-hmm. and and I, it was such a culture shock to sit outside in a cafe, 25 degrees in December. I mean, the the German December is much different. Let me tell you. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly what I'm what I'm what I'm what, what I'm saying. It's like you know, every time my birthday is approaching, I'm like, man, I would love to like have like some like you know like a barbecue outside, something relaxed, you know, it's just like, you know, <laughs> indoors yeah. because it's raining and cold and etc. And. It- what is your what does your day to day work look like as COO? What is your what are your core tasks? Oh God, everything, <laughs> everything from start to finish: operations, product, marketing, uh, legal, compliance, um, everything, supports, like mm. everything from start to finish. It's it's uh, we're in a startup, right? Startup is is the burning hell every single day. Um, startup, uh, you need to be delivering every single day. Uh, every single week um, counts. Every, sing- every single day counts. A week is, is a year. Two weeks is two yeah. years. I mean, uh, that, that's a startup. And for any person that says otherwise, they, they don't know what a startup is probably. Mm. Like I, I, I've had people that have told me that, like I've actually, one of my ex um, co-founders told me a thing. He's like, um, a startup is not a race. It's a marathon. He told me that once. I don't agree with that one single bit. Um, a startup is a marathon, obviously. Yeah, because you're in it for the, for the long run. And I totally agree with it. But it's, it's, it's a freaking race. Um, because really, like, you're competing against thousands of other startups. Um, again, like, until you get to that level where you're really comfortable, let's say, like, a Series B or Series C, I don't know, you have, like, $200 million in, in, in like, um, in, in funds raised or something or even more, um, you can say that, okay, now it's, it's, it's a marathon. But even so, uh, like, it's, it's yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's like, the mentality of a startup is totally different to corporate. That's another reason why I left corporate. <laughs> Uh, with one founder of a um, of a big scale up um, called Emma, I we found the um, the metaphor of a marathon roller coaster ride because it's mm. also so much up and down, like like emotionally and mm-hmm. with the business itself. So a marathon roller coaster ride sounds like like a hell of a thing to be in. And yeah, are you yeah, yeah. are you um, are you also pitching a lot at the moment? Not right now. Not right now, but I will be 
Um, I will be pitching starting, let's say, hopefully within the next two, three weeks. <laughs> I, 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 I do pitch. I do pitch right now. I do pitch, let's say, like once every two weeks, but we're not fundraising uh, currently. We are going to mm. be, going to be fu- relaunching our fundraising process within two, two, three weeks. That's why I'm saying two, three weeks. Uh, so um, so I'm, 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 I'm ramping up and getting, getting prepared. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Um, b- before we get into the uh, crypto details, I'm sure you were uh, also pitching a lot in the last like four to five years. What mm-hmm. were some of your core... Um, core lessons in pitching? Um, as I already mentioned that any founder is also selling himself, right? He's not just selling his idea, he's selling himself, right? Um, so I think the most important is to be, not be nervous, right? Um, to understand what gets you nervous and like to kind of have a process for, let's say, being calm and like presenting the idea correctly, yourself and the idea correctly. Um, one technique, again, this is prior to, to zoom calls that, that I used to do. And this, this, this was like, for me, it works super well. Um, I come into a meeting, uh, people come in, I don't know, say like oh, five people, um, two people, whatever, you know, 10 people come in. Right. Um, I would stand up, I would go around the room. I would personally shake the hand of every single person, look them in the eye, say, hi, nice to meet you. And then I would go back and start and, and start talking. When I did that, uh, I noticed that people in that room, well, first of all, it helped me kind of build a connection with the person that I'm shaking hands with. I'm like, okay, so this is me, this is you. But then I actually noticed in the eyes of the people that I was, uh, whose hands I was shaking that they were actually becoming more nervous than me because they weren't expecting like me to come up to them like, hello, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's a technique that I, that I, that I, that I did. Um, I probably will do uh, when it's uh, when it's appropriate again, um, or or the fist bump in COVID. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. Uh, that's interesting. I've never heard that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned um, figure out, like find out what makes you nervous. What what makes you nervous? I don't know. You know what? I don't like. Uh, I don't like presenting actually. Like um, I don't like public speaking. Like what I'm doing right now, I'm like, I actually like, um, I, I'm actually nervous. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it might not sound like it, but, but I actually like, um, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's always a battle in my head. Like I like it and I don't like it, but I'm always nervous and kind of like, I have a process that I need to go through before every single like talk or chat or whatever. Um, so yeah. Yeah, you're you're doing a hell of a job. I couldn't tell you're nervous, but that that was that's what um, people told me when I was uh, like at an event, uh, um, and I was a moderator, and it was like uh, live streamed online, mm-hmm. and I was nervous as shit. Oh my god, I was so nervous, and everybody told me, "Hey, what? We 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 didn't see it. We didn't notice." Mm-hmm. So, um, and one of my core lessons there is. Maybe you're doing much better, or maybe I'm mm-hmm. doing much better than I think. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, yeah, that's another thing, actually. That, 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 that's very important. Um, like, I'm, kind of, I'm very perfectionist in my head. And it's very important to understand that you don't need to be perfect, actually. Like, no one's perfect. Um, like, there's no, there is no definition of perfect, perfect. So if you even make, like, a small mistake, it's kind of like, okay, so, yeah. Everyone does. Like, l- listen to the interviews of Elon Musk. If you, want, if you want to understand what I'm talking about. He's not that good of a public speaker. 
he's really, really not that good. Like he's super smart, but like he's he, the way he talks, it's kind of like um, um yeah. Um. But I, I think um, what what makes that interesting and unique is that he actually thinks before he speaks, and that mm -hmm. is very rare in our world. Yes, it is true. Although I do, I do think if you're if you if you're telling me that I don't think before before I speak, I do think um, I do tend to speak, uh, try and speak fast all the time. Uh, but I don't know. Um, it is true that I catch myself in the thought that it's okay also sometimes to kind of like slow down, think, speak. Um, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it. You know, absolutely nothing wrong with it at all. Before we get into the um, crypto things, uh, a question I like a lot is um, finding out what inspires my guests. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what were some of your sources of inspiration? Mm -hmm. Could be books, people, podcasts, movies, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, books. Me, it's, me, it's, me, it's actually books. <laughs> I, I, in, all, in all honesty, I don't really, um, I'm not a big podcast guy. Um, for me, it's kind of yeah. It's I'm, I'm not not really like uh, for me, kind of like listening to a podcast on YouTube. Um, I find it time consuming, right? And I'm more like a, like okay, audiobooks and books. There are people who like audiobooks. There are people who like books. I cannot do audiobooks. <laughs> like no no way. Like I hate audiobooks. I tried it once, and like uh, halfway through the, the sentences that I was listening to, like I would like space out because I'm looking at like a tree and I see a bird flying by. <laughs> and, you, and and usually, if, if you're reading a book, if you do space out, you can always you know like go like you read read the line. Whereas here, I need to stay. Oh shit! I need to get my iPhone out. I need to play pause, rewind. <laughs> I know what you mean. So, so no, me, yeah. me it's books, and um, me it's definitely books, and um. Do you need recommendations? <laughs> yeah, what books? Like name name two or three books that you like really really liked. Um, Creativity Inc. Uh, by yeah. Ed Cat by Ed Catmull. I don't it's know. It's a Disney you know guy, it. right? Yeah, Pixar Studio. Pixar. Uh, Pixar. Studio. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Pixar Studio. Yeah. 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 Uh, Pixar Studio. Uh, the way again his story of how he founded that company, how he founded Pixar, where he came from. Um, Pixar was obviously. Uh, also, uh, one of the wait, was he investor? Or was he co-founder? I can't remember anymore. Um, Steve Jobs was in Pixar. Yeah, he was co-founder exactly. So it was kind of like um, I was also re reading while reading that book. I was also reading like another story um, from the side of a business partner of Steve Jobs, and Steve Jobs was a, one of the key characters in that book as well. And that was super cool um, because it's, it's, it's like you're not reading a book about Steve Jobs; you're reading a book about someone someone else who is involved with Steve Jobs a lot. Uh, so that that was that was super interesting to um, to read, um, and that, that's it's a really inspiring book. Um, another one is the hard thing about hard things. Yeah, yeah. Ben, ben Horowitz. Yeah, of Andreessen oh. and Horowitz. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly, 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 and that. That book really kind of, let's say, layers out management, um, management, styles of management, and kind of like classifies people per their management style. Um, it, I, I highly recommend that book to anyone uh, who's like near a management role. Um, it's, it, it's super important. Um, if you're not near in a, in, a, in a managerial like role or don't, 
think you're going to be there soon, then I wouldn't probably recommend that book to you because that book is really, let's say, high level focused. Um, but but yeah, it's it's um, it, it's kind of like changed the way I view uh, top level, C level executives and like people that I deal with, and even when I'm hiring, the way I, I view people, the way I hire, um, and the way I classify people. Um, yeah, super good and inspiring book. So it gives you managerial frameworks for how to yeah. operate and categorize people. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least at least that's what it did for me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> at, at, the, at, the, at the same time as, as, as hearing Ben Horowitz's story, which was also fantastic. And I think in the first, the whole first part of the, of the book is kind of like, a, again, like a, an, an intro and a background on, on his experience. And I read it like extremely fast. It like it flew um, because it was just so interesting to read. Mm. the whole the whole dot-com era and everything cool yeah yeah he's a fascinating guy with a lot of experience going back to the 90s i think mm. he, it was him that um invented or co-invented the um the netscape browser right mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or was I'm it Andreessen? Uh, one of those guys yeah, yeah no no it was him it was him if, it was him if i'm not mistaken yeah okay so um, how do you, how do you explain to a lay person what your startup is doing? <laughs> Bitcoin, <laughs> crypto. We do crypto. <laughs> uh, no, but our, our 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 main our main product is is, is loans. We do crypto backed loans. So uh, let's put it this way: if you bought Bitcoin and have invested in Bitcoin, so you have an investment, right? that you don't want to sell. You, you've invested that money, it's money that you, because you, it's an investment and any investment you invest in it because you, you hope that the investment will grow, right? So there's no point of you investing if, if tomorrow you need to sell it, right? But imagine you do, right? And there always comes a time, any investor, whether it's crypto or stocks, right? Where a person ends up in a situation where he just needs cash right now, right? And usually at that point, people sell. Uh, what Nibis does is we allow people not to sell that crypto, right? But use that crypto to get cash without selling the crypto, right? To getting a loan, right? So we give basically 80%, up to 80% of the value of the cryptocurrency, right? For a certain amount of time, right? In, in euros, GBP or dollars as a loan for you to pay for your daily expenses. I don't know, finance a business, buy a house if you want, you know, it's like, the like there are no limits to what you can do we we do focus on let's say everyday use right so we built nebius for people who really need cash like daily like quick like one of our products is called quick loans and a person can literally just like with a click of one button he can he can get a loan up to 500 euros with zero percent interest for three months um so that that's our core product and the whole idea of nebius is is, is like we help people use their cryptocurrencies without selling them, right? Got it. Okay. Is that, I, is that, is that, is that, is that kind of, how, how does that sound? I, I think I got it. Let's find out by um, me suggesting a specific use case, if I mm -hmm. understood it. So let's say I put, um, I don't know, uh, 10,000 euro in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And um, now I think, ah, no, I um, actually, I need, 2000 euro um, mm -hmm. because I want some new fancy podcast equipment. Mm -hmm. Then I then I can come to your company, Nibius, mm -hmm. and I can I can tell you, hey, 
I need I need two thousand euro from this well, Bitcoin investment um, mm-hmm. as a as a loan, so I can put it to work uh, in um, like podcast equipment. Exactly. Yeah, you can do that, but you don't need to tell us. <laughs> we're not we're not a B two B business. Uh, we're a platform. So so you sign up, you create a user account, uh, you transfer your crypto uh, onto our platform. That's it. And then once it's on the platform with like two or three clicks, uh, you can get the loan. Uh, you can choose your terms, choose your interest rate, choose the loan to value ratio. So like, again, how much of the cash are you getting in, in correlation with the, the amount of crypto that you have? Um, that's it. And uh, you get the cash straight away onto your Nibis account and uh, you can transfer that cash onto your bank card and start spending. Uh- I think I understood a crypto product. That's great. I'm really happy about it. But um, what what crypto um, cryptocurrency itself is, um, I, I think, is hard to understand. And um, mm-hmm. so far, I didn't really encounter anybody, and I listened to a lot of podcasts that um, explained it in a way that um, everybody understands. Because at some point, you just I, I feel like people just have to state. Yeah, and then there's this complicated blockchain technology, but if the experts would explain it further, they would lose the layperson because it really is complicated. I also read the it is. I read the um, the white paper of Satoshi Nakamoto. You like I don't know shit about math. I I I don't get it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend anyone uh, who's not <laughs> to read that. I, 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 I glanced over it, honestly. I, yeah. I looked over some of the things. I, I read his quotes and things like that, but I didn't, I didn't read the white paper, no. Um, no. I mean, cryptocurrencies and blockchains are super complicated to understand. Um, it's, I mean, the, the, the whole concept is, is incredible, and I think that, but, but they're hard to understand. And I think that's one of the downsides of cryptocurrencies right now is that for a person to really kind of be able to talk about crypto in a way that they really understand it or blockchain, they need to read at least two books. <laughs> so please, um, please show me a person on this planet who is going to read two books about something just to be able to have a conversation about that product, about that thing. You do have people, obviously, right? uh, <laughs> but, but I can tell you this, that I guarantee you that most people that invest at least small sums of money in, 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 in cryptocurrencies, they Googled, they YouTubed, but they, they don't, so they have a notion, but they're not, you know, pros and they can't really talk about it to, you know, like a, to a high degree um, at all. Yeah, so, yeah. Now, but maybe we can gather some additional like aspects that make us um, understand it a bit better. So one big difference obviously is uh, you you cannot have it in your in your wallet. It's just it lives uh, in a digital world on a digital space, so to say. Well, so, it's, it, it's it's decentralized on the blockchain, right? So that, but again, this was the original concept, right? That it's decentralized. It's on the blockchain. So, uh, like, there, I can't like honestly, like I'm not even the the great the best person to explain what a blockchain is. But basically, you have a wallet. Uh, to, to which you own the key, right? But you don't have the physical wallet on you. You can yeah. access it. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows in the world that the, that wallet exists and that wallet is yours because it's validated by, by, by proof, right, on the blockchain. That's the concept. And that's the original concept. Nebius is different, though. 
like our, our, our platform is different because we're centralized, right? So when you transfer your Bitcoins to us, we act like a financial institution, meaning that we keep your Bitcoin. We hold the keys to your wallet, right? And we, we are the controlling authority. And there's a big talk right now of uh, CFI. We, we, we are centralized, it's called CFI. Decentralized, it's called DeFi. And there's a huge talk always about like DeFi, CFI, what's better, what's more, what's more secure, what's less secure. DeFi, DeFi is becoming super popular right now. Uh, we're CFI. Uh, I can tell you that CFI is a lot more secure. There are less hacks that happen on CFI. DeFi is like you you never know like who 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 uh, let's say if it's if it's a blockchain if it's uh, like obviously Bitcoin is one thing but right now you have loads of uh, DeFi projects that were built on various and developed on various protocols and codes. It's very difficult to validate those codes most of the time. You don't know who wrote them. They're easily hackable. And um, the idea of Satoshi originally is that it's hack-proof. Well, not really. It, it, it is possible to hack it. Maybe Bitcoin is not, right? Because Bitcoin is one of the oldest and, and uh, like less hackable uh, infrastructures and protocols and like blockchains, right? But other ones, mm, you know. So again, uh, that's, that's a kind of, let's say, um, I'm getting too in depth into all this. No, it was really good. I especially like the first part about uh, how um, it is identifiable. It is it is unique. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a that's a absolutely legitimate question of a layperson. Well, if it's online, can I just copy and paste it? And that's no. a very no no no. I know I, I know that's not the case. But it's a very fair question of somebody who has no idea about it. Well, mm -hmm. I have a lot of pictures. I can just copy and paste it and send it to you, and that's mm -hmm. it. But um, one one example I can give uh, that I think this this is going to help uh, some people to understand is like um, so. Imagine you're making a bank transfer, classically right now, right? Um, so mm -hmm. I send you a hundred euros. The like. In reality, what's happening is that banks are contacting via, via uh, networks, like for example, SIPO or SWIFT or something, right? They're not physically sending a hundred euro bill or a hundred euros, you know, to your bank. They're kind of saying that, hey, like this person is wiring this person this amount of money and, and, and different banks processes, process these things differently, right? But it's not really like a hundred euros is traveling from this place to this, not, not always at least. In the blockchain, that's really what, what's happening. So if I send you one Bitcoin, I am really sending you one Bitcoin and you are getting that one Bitcoin, right? And, and this whole process um, also, again, like uh, going even further and going again to Facebook, right? Who wants to release their cryptocurrency called Lib Libro and who have been wanting to do this for a long time. Uh, people say that if they do and people start using this, people will, uh, Facebook will be able to track what you spend that money on because they will know exactly who you sent that money to, what you pay for, how it's being used. Mm. And obviously they're going to be using that for advertising purposes. Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, cent uh, central bank uh, currencies, right? That are, that are planned to be released by different countries. Same thing. There's a lot of argument of people saying that, okay, well, if banks do, that, do this, for us as people, it's not going to change anything. But the big difference is that countries will be able to know exactly what you have, how, how you got it, where you got it from, who you send it to, and, it, and that's it. Whereas now it's still kind of, let's say, a gray zone, right? They, 
like they can only let's say interrogate a bank and kind of ask them and uh, they ask you where source of what are your source of funds you know all these things uh whereas yeah. if, if if there are uh, cbdc's which that's what they're called they'll know everything yeah i think i read that india is in plans of um working on its own cryptocurrency i think it's one of the first countries to do so and i think wasn't it um brazil also kind of an early adopter country uh i think the most the, the earliest one is uh china China. Mm. Uh, it's not again no one has released anything yet but i think the the, the earliest one and the most at least the one that i hear most about is china yeah china is still talking about releasing that and uh they're testing it and um etc cetera, etc cetera. um so that's that, that's going to be interesting to see what what happens in, in the future yeah so you mentioned DeFi and um cfi so decentralized mm -hmm. finance and centralized finance mm -hmm. and a so one narrative that I see and that I think um, a lot of um, pro crypto um, guys and girls see is that when you, so in some ways since 2008, we saw very mighty institutions like mm -hmm. Wall Street banks or social media companies, Facebook, Twitter, gain so much power that they actually can do a lot of damage with it. Mm -hmm. So the Russian bots on Facebook or Twitter censoring the president of the United States of America, the, I thought, mightiest man in the world. Well, mm -hmm. maybe not in our, uh, in our digital world. And there, one narrative is that uh, some people don't want this institution to have that much power because, as I said, they can use it for you know, negative things. You know, depends on the, uh, the perspective, of course, but to some degree, negative things. And, mm -hmm. and decentralized finance, like uh, cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. does not have an, and I want to emphasize this point for, for the listeners, does not have an, um, uh, a central institution that central is- A central governing authority. Yeah, yeah that, is, that is like the, the, the sovereign in, in this regard. Mm -hmm. And there people um, promise themselves and others to have a more fair, a fairer, um, like a fairer finance world. Mm -hmm. Am I right here? Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. That was the original idea. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that was the original idea. It, it, it kind of like, it's not, it, it's not going the way that Satoshi anticipated, right? Uh -huh. Because um, at, the, at the end of the day, we need to have centralization for security uh, and, 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 and many other things, right? And the world is, has not gone the way that Satoshi planned initially. People are still talking about DeFi right now, but it's, as I said, it's, it's very, there are so many projects out there. Um, you never know which one is, is, is good, which one is bad. Um, it's, it's gaining a lot of popularity, but again, I think the biggest point is security. Um, and that is, yeah, that's paramount. Um, TFI is a lot more secure. Uh, and, and, and you can, you can rest, uh, like you can sleep knowing that your crypto is secure, <laughs> right. In a CFI project. Whereas in DeFi, you always have to kind of like think, uh, you know, what's, what, what's happening there, etc. You know, we've lived through this in 2017, right. When people were releasing tokens, having ICOs, and then like those companies that had ICOs would vanish, you know, and then uh, the, the, the tokens would cost nothing. And 
the, the I mean, b- prior to this year, the end of 2020, like when, when crypto started going up, crypto had a really bad reputation, to be honest. Uh, people heard of crypto and it still does to some degree. It's getting a lot better because people are talking about it more and more. Elon Musk helped with that as well with Dogecoin and Bitcoin, etc. But 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 prior to all this, uh, the reputation went kind of like because mm. so many so so many people lost money, and um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned a, a very uh, something very important. How can you in such a new field that is obviously uh, experiencing a uh, a significant hype? Mm-hmm. How can you uh, because they are. They are as in every hype, um, people that want to rip you off. Just like on Clubhouse, there are a lot of people that want to rip you off and sell you yeah. like, multi, like multi-marketing level um, guys and scammers and coaches who, who want to sell you their courses. And their, their I, I courses. I, I really, I haven't seen that. Honestly, on yeah. Clubhouse, I, 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 I unfollowed every single person that was going into these weird uh, club uh, rooms. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't want to see that. You know, I, like um, I, I'm only interested in something you know, like business oriented or you know, crypto or you know, more serious. Um, so I'm actually not aware that there are scams on Clubhouse. Yeah, no, I also only read uh, about it on on Twitter and in the news. Mm-hmm. And um, but my point is that uh, with every hype, there is um, people do bullshit with it. That's just the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. So. In the crypto game, do you have some hints for the amateurs to distinguish between like serious, high-quality, solid projects from the you know the scams, the fraudulent ones? Uh, if there was a way, there would never be fraud, <laughs> which which is true. I mean, if there was if there was a clear cut you know like strategy of how to do it, um, there wouldn't be any fraud because people would be like, oh wait it doesn't fit these categories, it's a fraud. <laughs> uh, so, so no, but again, uh, jokes aside, um, there are, you know, like checklists that you can fill, fill in and kind of, let's say, use to try and identify a fraudulent project uh, and uh, at least, you know, make sure that uh, you, you can put your money into this uh, platform or project or whatever. Um, first of all, it's reputation, right? Have a look online, have a, have a Google search, you know, see, see what people are saying about the company, see if, like, uh, see what the company's been doing it's years of existence, right? When did the company come into being? When was it founded? Um, has it been around for long? Because if, if it's a project that was founded, let's say a month ago, and there's massive hype about it, and uh, so it's kind of like, okay, think think twice before putting your cash there, or or put your cash there, but like put your cash there with the with the idea that you might lose everything, right? Mm. Um, look at partnerships, right? Lo- lo- go onto the platforms, uh, check out who the platforms who who the partners are, right? Uh, for example, Nibis is partnered with one of the biggest, you know, with loads of the biggest financial institutions in the, in the industry. Uh, that's, that's you know, like a tick, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that kind of sh- shows that like we have reputation, right? Um, and I think last but not least, uh, but this doesn't apply to everything, is licensing, right? If, if a company is licensed or not. So, which at the same time doesn't play a big role because let's say a lot of, uh, our, like we do not have a license. We are applying for a license. We are, uh, let's say, we comply with all UK and EU regulations, but we don't have a license yet. Take some of our competitors, same, they don't have licenses, but they're, they're super great companies uh, with, with a lot of assets under management, thousands of thousands and hundreds of thousands of users, and everything's fine. And they've been around for a long, long, long time. 
So I get, I think, I think it's like a, a combination of everything that I just said. And if you, if you look at that, if you do an analysis, um, make up your own mind, go for it. But yeah, I think long story short, do your research. Okay. And license of what? Or for what? Uh, license for operating because you're operating with money, you're operating with yeah. crypto. So you, depending on where, or on where you're founded or where your company is, you usually require a license or, or do not. It depends on the jurisdiction, et cetera. That's why I said some companies do have licenses, some, some don't. But if you're, let's say, if, if you're a company, an English company, and you have a license, right, that kind of shows that, uh, okay, you are regulated by a financial authority. If in the UK you are a licensed institution, that, that means that you are regulated by the FCA. Uh, so that that's it. It kind of like it, 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 it's that itself is trust for you. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, if it's a stupid uh, question, forgive me. I'm a lay person here too. Do you in Barcelona need to apply for a license with a Spanish institution or with a European? Uh, Spanish. Ah, okay. So it's still, the, 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 still the, national. The, 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 yeah, there, there unfortunately isn't is no European one. In, 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 in fintech and finance, you it's based per country, uh, but then there's a thing that's called passportization. So if you are a licensed institution in Spain, then you can apply for passports, like a, to get a passport to be able to operate in another country, in another country, uh. another country, and and that's uh, that's pretty easy to obtain once you have a license in, in one European country. I see. Yeah. And um, what else do I got? Um, I, what are you personally excited about in the crypto space at the moment? Like, what do you Ooh. personally find interesting? Ah, oh, yeah, God. Um, personally, myself, um, everything. To be honest, I mean, uh, for me, it, it's kind of like it's a world that's extremely interesting. Blockchain is is interesting. Crypto is interesting. Um, I am interested in DeFi. I do explore a lot. I, I look at what, what's happening out there. Um, I look at. I'm, I'm interested where Bitcoin is going to go. Um, I look at. I look at what our competitors are doing. I look at. I, like I mean, everything is interesting for me. There's not one thing that that, that I say is like you know this is something that grabs my my attention. Like if if we look at at what our business does, right? It's like crypto collateralized loans. And and the way like again that you can use crypto more and crypto becomes more than just an investment. That is is it's like wow you know it's like imagine like someone told you I don't know ten like twenty years ago that hey you've you've invested in this stock right and then now you can use that stock to access financial services to earn money to get loans etc without selling that stock. Um, that would have been a revolution at the time, and uh, I mean, it still hasn't happened. Like the only, th the, only the only like asset that you can use for this is crypto. And uh, when I look at the growth of this industry, uh, not just not just uh, the growth of Bitcoin and the market cap of, of like cryptocurrencies. When we when you look at the growth of our, of my industry of of Nibis's industry, the industry has grown from Q3 2019 to Q4 2020. It grew by, if I'm not mistaken. 1,170%. With in terms of collateral that's held by companies like Nebius, right? By people who actually came in, go to these platforms, give crypto to get loans, right? A thousand more than a thousand percent, a thousand one hundred and seventy percent. That like I actually remember that figure. That's 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 the exact figure. It's um, insane. Uh... Yeah, the it's worth 
uh, Q4 2020, it was $24.3 billion. That's, that's also an exact figure. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And when you... Um, Want to get information about what's up in crypto world? Where do you get your information from? Do you have uh, certain crypto sites that you recommend? Because yeah. I'm also relatively new to the world. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoy Coin uh, Coin Telegraph. Coin Telegraph, okay. Yeah, I really enjoy Coin Telegraph, but I would really highly recommend you uh, if you have I don't know I, I, they, well to get the app if you have the uh, the iPhone, they have a really cool uh, iOS app uh, that's that's really well made i don't know i i like i really enjoy the experience i like i like when any product is well is well built and their app is super well built um easy to understand no ads <laughs> or at least i don't i don't see them or at least the ads are so well built into their you know product that you don't see them yeah their their desktop version has ads um but mm -hmm. the app is the app is amazing so i use that also um coinbase uh coinbase have a great news section um, so if if you're on Coinbase, you can trade on Coinbase. Obviously, it's, it's uh, they're I don't know actually have they IPO'd? They're gonna IPO if they haven't already IPO'd. They're IPOing like now, basically, um, mm. like like soon or they might have I, I I might have missed it, but um, yeah, they're one of the biggest exchanges, you know. In the mm. world. Yeah. Um, and and they have they have a pretty decent news section. Um, they have a pretty decent news section, and they actually have widgets that you can put on your iPhone onto your home screen uh, of that news section. So you can have the news really in a small widget popping up, and you can read it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, if people want to reach out to you, um, how do they do that? Where do they do that? If you want that at all. Um, LinkedIn, <laughs> I guess. Find me on LinkedIn, uh, Michael Stroyev. Uh, I'm easy to find. Um, if you do reach out to me, please don't send the message, hey, let's connect, uh, because I feel that we should be in the same network. Like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The LinkedIn really, classic. Uh. Yeah, the LinkedIn classic. Hey, I, I'm expanding my network, and I really feel that we need to be friends. I'm like, well, mm, no. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, because um, at the end of the day, like, like, if I accept that person, and if he posts, like, crap i'm sorry i'm gonna say that crap every single day i see that in my news feed i don't i don't really want to see that so i kind of like um i, I want to filter out who i'm friends with um I, I know a lot of people have a tendency to ac like accept everyone um i don't uh, so if you if you do want to reach out to me just like um to tell me why <laughs> no sure yeah no i get it okay so on linkedin of course everything uh, what we talked about is linked in the show notes i make sure the show notes are filled with all the links so um michael thank you thank you very much for your time um i hope we got our listeners up to speed in the crypto world you're welcome if i come to barcelona when uh, this whole coronavirus thing is more or less over should we have a beer or coffee definitely 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 reach out to me anytime <laughs> i mean uh, us, us everything's open right now restaurants are open during the day they're open during the day uh they're open in the mornings and uh, uh during lunch uh so you can go have a beer during the day you can't go in the evening so i'm, I'm, I'm really waiting for bars and yeah. places to be open at night uh, but yeah well you're, you're you're much luckier than we are in germany we are just slowly opening up but no restaurant and bar so far no yeah okay so again thank you very much and all the best okay thank you christian thank you good okay
Thank you very much for listening to this episode. For more inspiring lessons and stories from founders and other people who go their own way, please subscribe to the Connecting Dots podcast on whatever podcast player you prefer. It would also help a lot to get further interesting guests in the future if you give the podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much.